I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, just like that, I think we are live, sir. I think we are good. It is time to... Uh, Get after the Husker Online Monday Rundown. Hey, Sean, I got to tell you before we start, and by the way, that is the great Sean Callahan, owner, administrator, founder, god of Husker Online. Can I do this show with you one time when somebody's not being fired? Can oh, we- yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> – let me tell you, Jeff, the last two Sundays have been like leave church, go to the office, and get home at like 9 or 10. I mean, they have been – um, it's been two long days on Sundays here, and hopefully we'll see some normalcy, normalcy here for at least the, the next two months. But we know that's going to be short-lived because they still have got to name a new coach. And yeah, yeah. we know there's going to be massive roster, maybe attrition, additions. Um, I mean, th- this is, we're just in Chapter 2 right now, probably. Chapter 1 of Scott Frost, Chapter 2 Eric Chenander. We're not even – anywhere close to being done with all of the things that could happen here the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh, I did a college football wrap up show for on three yesterday morning and we did the Nebraska Oklahoma game. And right off the bat, one of your guys, here I am thinking, man, poor Washington's got to come on here and we got to talk about that game right afterwards. But I thought at the same time, if you're a Nebraska fan and you haven't logged on to Husker Online in a while, you need to get after it. It's $1 for the year right now. You're about to watch an incredible coaching search. We're going to see a transformation at Nebraska. Hey, nobody wanted it this way, but this is the way it is. And so now is the time where you're going to want to pay attention on a daily basis, hell, on an hourly basis these days, it seems like, Sean, uh, to what's happening with Nebraska football, one year of coverage, $10 total, Husker Online, make it happen. We will be doing this show together every Monday. Uh, I'll be here with Sean Callahan. Of course, uh, Sip is going to join us here momentarily, uh, momentarily, I should say. I know that you have other guests planned tonight. Um, Sean, tell everybody who's coming up tonight, and we'll have an opportunity to talk with them as well. Yeah, we'll have Stephen uh, Sip, obviously, 710, 720, going to come on just for 10 minutes. Um. He had two great conversations today, um, and this is the power of Sipple. He talked to Barry Alvarez and the head coach of Utah, Kyle Whittingham, on this wow. phone. So just, just a normal day for Steve Sipple. And uh, what they talked yeah. about was Bill Bush. Uh, Bill Bush is stepping in now as the new interim defensive coordinator. Bill Bush worked for Barry Alvarez, and he worked for Kyle Whittingham. So um, – we're going to kind of turn the page a little bit and go on to some of that stuff. We really hit it hard yesterday. I mean, our, our live show yesterday had 1,900 live viewers at one point uh, on Eric Chenander's firing. Then Kyle Cole Morgan, who also hosts uh, his own podcast, former Huskers starting offensive lineman on the uh, 2001 Rose Bowl team, uh, will join us. Uh, Kyle's got great opinions, great takes. Um, he's very unfiltered. He knows a lot of the coaches on this coaching staff, and he, and he understands the game. So Kyle will join us. Uh, with some great insight. And then Andy Kendi, uh, my colleague from Channel 7, ABC in Omaha. Um, he's a Wisconsin Badger, by the way, uh, but he's been he's married to Nebraska. He's been in Nebraska for a long time. We've worked together on TV since 2011. 
um, and have traveled to every road game since um, and home game, obviously. So Andy will come on with us as well. And uh, Jim Rose will be back next week. I had, I had a great talk with Jim. And he's like, I want to come back. I'm like, we'll, we'll get you on next week because we got a lot of – Jim Rose brought the heat, and a lot of people liked what he brought last week on the show as well. Yeah, I thought it was uh, tremendous. And I, I'm having a blast doing this show with you guys. It's keen insight. It's important. There's a lot of stuff we're learning as we go along. Your connections over the years with these guys and their insights coupled with yours, Sean. Obviously, if you're a Nebraska fan, this is the stuff that you're watching closely because at some point, obviously, this thing will shift and the roots of that change are starting right now. Uh, it's, it's a transformation to be sure. It's got to be frustrating. Everybody knows that. But everybody does have... Uh, an opinion on what's going on, but your guys is an informed opinion as you guys are there on the ground on a daily basis talking to coaches and players, and people in the business about what comes next for Nebraska. And it's interesting, you know, Sean, I catch you now in a bye week uh, for Nebraska. I, I wonder, I felt bad for Mickey. Uh, what, a, what a tough way to, to debut. I wonder how much can change. I want your opinion, Sean, how much ch can change in the course of this season? Obviously, there's a lot of uh, changes with personnel with the coaching staff, but you also got to wonder what can they do with the player personnel? I, I, I don't know. I know that uh, there's a, there's going to be a long look at uh, each of these practices about uh, who takes the field on Saturdays. Yeah. To use a overused cliche, it, they could change the X's and O's, but it's still the same Jimmy and Joe's. And right. um, can you make those Jimmy and Joe's better by tinkering? And, and I think that is the challenge. And, you know, Mickey Joseph's got a pretty good defensive resource at his hands. His brother, Vance Joseph, um, is the current defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals, former Denver Broncos head coach. So he's got people within his own family that I'm sure are advising him and, and talking to him about things. And there's some ideas, I'm sure. But can you fix these issues? They've got major issues at the linebacker spot, the safety spot. The pass rush is not getting home, tackling issues. Um, are those correctable over a bye week where, you know, they, they can only practice Jeff two times this week. Um, mm. When you in Florida state uh, where you're at down there in Tallahassee, they're in the same boat. If you play week zero, That's you right. get two buys. You don't, you don't get an extra week of practice because you start the season a week earlier. You then have to divide up those two bye weeks and you could either start a week earlier or, or later, but now Nebraska started early like everybody else would. So they have to divide five practices out over two bye weeks. So they are only going to practice Tuesday, Thursday. They did running, lifting, meetings today. Um, but, yeah, it's a limited schedule only because of the rules of the bye week. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. I asked uh, this last week, Sean, and, and I wonder, are, uh, what, of the elements that are most surprising about what's happening at Nebraska right now, would you say that players, in terms of what was brought in, we talked a lot about transfer portal guys and a lot about how Nebraska was attempting to revamp on the fly. Are you surprised at the ineffectiveness of those players? Is that the biggest shock on the season? Yeah, I mean, on an offense, I feel like they've gotten some bang from yeah. the transfer guys. Um, the receivers, yeah. Casey Thompson, Anthony mm -hmm. Grant um, is not a transfer portal guy, but he basically is. He's a JUCO guy that was at Florida State 
at one point in his career, and he's done really well. Um, but yeah, defense, they they had major issues up front, and you know, they lost a lot of guys that were six-year seniors, fifth-year seniors. Then at the end of the spring, they lost another wave of players or right around that time. Jordan Riley left, um, and then a guy named Casey Rogers left. They followed the defensive line coach to Oregon. And, it, you know, like, oh, they can replace these guys. Look at guys from the portal. But we're learning they just don't have enough, you know, physicality up front to win, get off blocks. Then they're missing tackles on the back end. So it's been just a collective mess across the board. Um, and I think, sure, scheme is an issue. But I think, honestly, the talent. I don't know if they have, you know, the elite level guys. And even the guys they added, like O'Shawn Mathis, have not been able to really make a difference at the level. I mean, considering this, O'Shawn Mathis was the number one ranked player in the transfer portal, right. according to the athletic in the, you know, after in the spring, spring period. Um, so that guy was all big 12 and he's had minimal impact. Garrett Nelson, um, who's a captain has had, you know, limited impact. He's had a few plays where he's gotten home and it's caused turnovers, uh, but they just haven't had enough with those key guys up front. Ty Robinson, a former four-star guy from Arizona. He turned down um, Alabama and USC to go to Nebraska. He has not been an impact guy up front and they don't have depth behind there. I mean, the guys behind there, the cupboard was pretty bare. Uh, the former D line coaches, they didn't recruit a lot of great players, especially over the pandemic period. And they didn't develop very many of those guys. And I think that's showing up now. They just don't have the horses on the defensive line. And then obviously, in the secondary, uh, they, they lost some key guys, three of their four starters, and, they, and they, they've had issues back there too. Yeah, I should have specified I was mainly talking about the defense. I'm glad you eliminated that. Yeah, there's been plenty of production with some of the offensive players that transferred in, but uh, defensively it, it has been a problem. I wonder now too, whenever you're going through a situation like this where the losses have mounted, obviously coaches have been dismissed, you wonder the mentality of the players at this point. All these guys want to win. All these players want to win. All these players care deeply. But when things start to spiral south, you sometimes wonder if the intensity and the focus will be there. What has the reaction been uh, over these last 10 days? Yeah, it's, I think it's kind of shell shock. Um, but I think it really started in Ireland. There was no way anybody expected. I, don't, I mean, losing Northwestern is always a possibility. They were two touchdown favorite, though. But not only to lose, but to kind of get gashed by what, at least what on paper, was maybe the worst offense in the Big Ten. I mean, that was red flag number one. Um, I thought red flag number two was North Dakota putting together a 16-play scoring drive right before halftime. Um, so I, I think there were a number of things that kind of led to these issues. Um, but that, that game, to me, um, the opening game of the year, really kind of started things. Um, and then – you know, every, everything from there kind of went, you know, Georgia Southern, the bottom just came out. I mean, you to see Georgia Southern come in and put up that kind of yardage on Nebraska under a first-year head coach, uh, that was a real issue. You know, the rumors will begin to swirl, and this is where it gets fun. We talk about a coaching search. Again, you've seen the special here tonight. This will be going on for a while. We don't know how long, so I think we want to react to this as soon as possible. You get our uh, coaching special today, $10 for a whole year, and you'll watch as the names trickle in. I already know from afar the names are out there, Sean, vanting about on a daily basis. You guys get to vet what's real and what's not. 
what do you think the timeline is? Is it the rest of the season? Basically, we know Trev has given himself a lot of time here because uh, you, you can't rush this decision. You got to find the right guy. Yeah, I think I think it has to be. I mean, the rest of the season. I mean, it, they have they have time on their hands, and they, they've got to yeah. take advantage of that. I mean, there to me, there is no um, there is no rush with this right now. I mean, they have another 10, 11 weeks to figure this out. I mean, they, they play all the way to Black Friday. And, you know, I'm not saying if they're not, as of now, it doesn't look like they're going to qualify for a bowl. So they'll, they'll be done Thanksgiving weekend. And then you kind of have that whole week to sort it out. A lot of the sitting head coaches that you talk to, they're not going to talk to you anyway until after then. So, right. um, you know, it, it's just like a Matt, a Matt Campbell at, at Iowa State. He's not going to talk to anybody until Iowa State's done. Lance Leipold, probably the same way. I mean, anybody um, that's currently coaching, that that is the process. So you've got to kind of play it out that way. You know, it's going to be interesting. I'll say this, Sean. Uh, the more that Kansas wins, the more that name is going to grow louder and louder and louder. And I understand he's won everywhere he's ever been. I watched his offenses at Buffalo thinking that this guy is great, you know, and he's waited his time. He's 58 years old. You can win in Kansas. You can certainly win in Nebraska. I would imagine that's a name that will grow in stature uh, each week that Kansas matters. They're now ranked. Well, even hey, Buffalo. To get Buffalo, I believe they were ranked, too, yeah. at one point in his career. Um, what The job he did there, and then to win at the D3 level of national championships, that's true coaching. I mean, D3 is non-scholarship football, and you, you, you've got to really build a program to win at that level, and um, he did. So – yeah, he, he's what he's doing at Kansas, winning at West Virginia, winning at Houston, and now Duke coming in. I mean, College Game Day considered coming to Lawrence, Kansas for the game this weekend. With Duke, know. Kansas, and it wasn't basketball. I mean, think about that. <laughs> well, and you know, Sean, it's funny. I cover the ACC throughout as well, and that is that was talked about today on every show across the conference. We're like. Are they really going to have Duke and Kansas play a football game here in September that matters more than their basketball game could? Because these two programs are both undefeated. But, yeah, Lance's name is is a name that will be omnipresent in this search, uh, no doubt. And uh, there are others, and there is time. You know, having been a part of a, a media collection that has had to cover uh, coaches come and go, it can be fun. I mean, we all love college football. Now, we have specific teams that we root for in schools that we went to, and we all want our tribe to succeed. But the truth is – Everybody's got an opinion about coaching. Everybody's got an opinion about which assistant is valuable or which head coach is a good candidate, is a good fit for here, which guy you would want. You know, we're going to hear Urban Meyer's name a lot. I think last week when we talked, that seemed like a no-go for Nebraska for a variety of reasons. But, you know, fans are going to clamor for that more and more because the guy has one despite the missteps off the field. And then you'll hear probably four or five other names. It's some tangential link to Nebraska at some point in their careers. So it is kind of fun to cover, and you guys will do it better than anybody on Husker Online. So, again, $10 for the year. I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Yeah, it, it is. It's intriguing because nobody knows where this is going to go. Urban Meyer was in Lincoln with the call, the Fox College pregame yeah. show, and I mean, he, he had Larry the Cable Guy come up to him on the live show and said, I'm here to write you a blank check and um, the student <laughs> section. and you know, Urban Meyer, uh, they've kind of dismissed all of the reports with Nebraska, at least at this point, the, the Pete Dammels of the world. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything there. Um, you know, if Urban Meyer gets back into coaching, who knows where it's going to be, what it's going to be. Um, I, you know you're going to get a winner, but there's going to be a lot more that comes with it. And how many people are truly going to want to take all that on? And does he want to take all that on? Because 
I mean, you saw what it was like in Jacksonville and how how bad it got down there for him. It was um, ugly. Where he was hired there as a sure thing, and it, it went south in a hurry. Well, and I, you know, again, we don't want to go down the road of of having the the larger conversation about Urban Meyer, but the truth is, uh, Trev seemed to really hit on character over and over again. A couple, you know, when, when he first talked, so I, I think there are people that would have uh, questions about that if Urban Meyer's name were there. But uh, again, we we look at it. You got the rest of the season. It'll be fun to watch because. I think Nebraska is still a very desirable job. You know, this is the larger question that people get in when the power like Nebraska has been down, Sean. People will begin to wonder, obviously, with each passing year, hey, is this something where Nebraska is not the program or not as easy a a task to rebuild the program to greatness? Usually with a track record and the kind of cachet that Nebraska has amongst the creme de la creme of college football in the history of the sport – you just need a guy to tap into that and get some momentum early. Uh, I felt like when we go back and we look at it, it, it never really looked like the momentum got going. And it, it, at that time, we thought for for sure that Scott Frost was a no-brainer. But if you lose a lot of close games early on and don't build momentum and it starts to go south, it is really tough to get the train back on the tracks. What, what's amazing, though, still, Jeff, is the stadium remains full. I mean, oh, of course, yeah. I think that is – the anomaly in all this there's nowhere else in the world for a team that has not gone to a bowl game since 2016 where you would fill a place with 88,000 fans this is not a 45,000 seat stadium this is an 88,000 seat stadium in a state that has a population of 1.9 million people um so there is just this anomaly with nebraska football um that really continues uh to draw people in um and, you, you know, I, I said we're going to have Steve Sipple on. He's having some problems. We're going to let him figure him out. You got a former player ready to go. Former player. <laughs> let, let's bring in um, Kyle Cole Morgan right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We got Kyle. Where where are you at, Kyle? Where are you driving to? Yeah, right. Well, I'm, I'm sitting in a parking lot. My kids are swim team, so I'm sitting out here. Your kids swim, right, Sean? Are you at Lincoln Northeast? I'm at Lincoln Northeast right now. My wife is there right now. Is she really? <laughs> yeah, she she's got Kid and Carly or my old she's at the the swim practice there right now too. So if you see my wife, tell her we're busy right now. All right, I'll let her know after when I come out here I try to get a few steps in and get a little get a little cardio. Something something anyway. Well, Kyle, um you got Jeff Cameron here as well our host and um, Hey, great. How you doing, Kyle? Good to see you. Good Before to see you, Jeff. Here, um, you, you're hosting a podcast now, too. And and tell everybody, because you're, you're a fun guy, you're unfiltered, <laughs> and you launched a podcast. I was yeah, one of your early yeah. guests on. What is your podcast? Where can we find it? Okay, so you can find it on Spotify or Apple, really any of the hosts out there. It's called Beyond the Turf, and we've interviewed about four or five guys. They're getting edited right now. It's pretty raw, pretty unfiltered, Sean, as you know. And we like to have basically athletes coaches former athletes former coaches on to talk about things that they're not known for essentially beyond the turf you know what's uh 
what's your playlist before you take the field? What's your hobby? What's your charity? What's, uh, you know, what's your scratch? What do you like? What's yours? What are you scratching golf? Where do you like to golf? What do you like to fish? Where do you like to hunt? Um, it's, it's, it's a blast. We're having a great time. I think we've got about six episodes out. We've got two interviews out. We've got four interviews being edited. So we're, we're having a great time with it. It's a lot of fun. Well, Kyle, uh, it's been a week and that's an understatement in Lincoln. Man, yeah. You've been around. I mean, you were kind of your final game and you, you joke, your career was the orange bowl to the Rose bowl, right? Yeah, we we won it in '97, lost it in '01. Yeah, that's so exactly you were, right. You were kind of like the last guy to go through a true traditional, you know, big bowl game every year career at Nebraska, and and so you you followed the slide the last few years. What yeah. what, what did you make out of just the last week and and what this program has gone through? Well, I think, boy, you know, thankfully we never had it. I think in my freshman year, not true freshman year. I mean, we went nine and four and you would have thought the wheels were coming off. And back then you didn't, it wasn't, well, it's only our second loss back then. It was like big 12 championship, getting the conversation for the title game, you know, make, make sure you're playing for the AP title or the coach's title. So we never experienced what these guys have gone through, but unfortunately I've known coaches through a lot of these staffs and I've known players through a lot of these transitions and it's hard. It, it turns into, it turns into everything is under a microscope um, from the coaches hours to, I mean, the rumor mills get so hot. It's just, it's the absolute worst. The rumor mills that start cranking and everybody wants to dance on a grave. And these are, these are family guys and these players are, 17 18 19 years old um it's it's tough it's it's tough everything's under a microscope uh bye week should help should allow everyone to get their sea legs get healthy um it's hard what when you look at just the career of frost here was there a moment where you kind of said god maybe this is not gonna work when was that moment for you i i i thought (laughs) When we hired him, I I told a lot of people, you know, you got to remember, we hired coach of the year. We hired the guy that everybody wanted to get. We were in a bidding war to get him here. So the the naysayers that are coming out five and a half, six years later says, see, I told you. It's like, yeah, you were one out of 100 that said it wasn't going to work. I think everybody thought it was going to work. Um, I always thought our coming out party would be this season. I, th- I always thought it would be um, rocky, rocky ways. I thought it'd be a hard run. I thought the rebuild project was bigger than most people knew. Uh, our roster when he came in was pretty, pretty soft. Um, the big 10 always schedules hard. The refs always play us hard. And then when he got here, everything that could go wrong, did go wrong from his first game, getting rained out to, from his first game getting rained out to next year's COVID, year three's COVID, his father passes away. At some point, I'm sure he just looked in the mirror and said, good grief, this is, this is, everything's up against me. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like they might, they tried to take a few shortcuts or, you know, it's hard, as far as maybe getting a couple players in and, and th- those guys didn't work out. And yeah, 
and I'll tell you one thing I've learned covering the Big Ten now um, for this is the 12th season for Nebraska. You can't take shortcuts on the lines in this league. Oh, oh, did you say the lines? The lines, the lines. No, no. I mean, you think about it. The the offensive lines at Wisconsin and Minnesota and Ohio State and good grief, they're all they're all like twenty eight years old. They're they got fam. They go home to their families. They don't go to the bars. I mean, it's it's incredible watching them play. It, it reminds me of Nebraska when I was there. They were fifth year seniors. They knew the game backwards and forwards on both sides of the ball. What do you think? I mean, if you were giving advice to Trev Alberts, like what does the next coach at Nebraska have to have? And it could be Mickey Joseph, uh, but like what, what, when you look at this thing right now, what do you think are the number one traits this next coach at Nebraska will need to have? I think you've got to go with someone that has proven, proven long-term winning executive experience, not from – not from essentially, oh, I developed four quarterbacks that start in the NFL. Oh, I ran the best, the, the number one defense for four years at Oklahoma. Um, I think it has to be someone that knows how to put together a team of people, knows how to oversee them, knows how to recruit. I mean, Urban Myers, a, is, he's a sexy pick because he's done it and he's won everywhere he wins. But do you think he wants to engage in the portal process in the NIL process? I mean, he might be really good at the NIL, <laughs> uh, but, but I think it's a different game even than it was three years ago. Yeah. And this is not a quick rebuild. So whoever takes it is going to have to understand. And so will Nebraska fans, obviously, Kyle, you know, you talk about this when you're talking about offensive and defensive lines, in order to dominate in the trenches, that's got to be a two and three and four year development. You know, it's not an yep. 18 year old kid. It's it's a nope. kid that gets there, who gets in the nutritional program, gets in the weightlifting program by year three, maybe ready to go. That yep. takes a lot of time. It does. And I, I mean, I still think Nebraska, I think Nebraska honestly is a better job today than it was even when we hired Coach Frost. It's, I think it's a better job. We're putting, what, $180, $170 million new facility up. We've proven, we've proven we can play the NIL game. We've proven we can play the portal game. Um, I think the roster, honestly, is better today than what it was when Coach Frost came in. Um, I, so I think, I think it's a better job today than it was when we got the coach of the year back then. Um, do I think Lance Leopold's your guy? I like Lance, and he's won everywhere it's been. But, you know, the Big 12 is different than the Big 10. I mean, that's plain and simple. It's a totally different game. Would you want a coach from the Big 10 that had been successful or the SEC, a power program like that? I think I think you start there. I mean, don't you think you go with your, your Mark Stoops, your – I mean, love him or hate him, your P.J. Fleck. I mean, heck, even uh, even the guy up at Illinois. Um, Illinois. Yeah, Bielema. I mean, all all of these guys know the game, and I think I think Nebraska's good. We're in the Big Ten West. You take a guy like Mark Stoops, he's going to look at that and say, "So I got to be Wisconsin, Minnesota." I mean, that's a lot easier of a road. The divisions than... are going to be gone, though, Kyle. I think I don't think that's going to matter in about two years. What's that? I think they're going to get rid of the divisions. But yeah, and that you know, we we did a pot, we cut a podcast that actually drops tomorrow about what we think conference realignment looks like. Um, 
and you're right. I think with with the with the Big Ten going for one point whatever billion dollars, they can't be throwing Rucker and Maryland out there. They got to turn the TVs on. So I think you're right. It's going to be good versus good every week. Before we let you go, Kyle, I mean, think yeah. about from a player's perspective, how hard would it be as a player to lose a head coach and a coordinator in a, in a span of seven days um, and, yeah. and just trying to go back to the office today for meetings and film and lifting and practice tomorrow? What's go, what, what would go through the mind of a kid? I mean, take yourself back to that age, and, and what do you think those kids – are trying to process right now? You know, I think, well, when Coach Osborne left, um, that was hard for all of us to process, but there wasn't the portal, there wasn't the transfer deal. So, and so much of the locker room is developed by your position coach that they, they're there. I mean, you look at who's been let go, they don't have the direct touch that like your Mike Dawson or Donnie Raiola or Barrett rude that they have. So they're there. They're more in line with uh, stabilizing the ship, if you will. Um, so I, it, it'd be, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. I think coach Joseph, Joseph is a good leader. He's, I mean, in the, in his 10 days or eight days, he's shown great leadership. And he's doing a real good job saying the right things, taking the bullets for the players. But I, it's really up to the position coaches to stabilize things. Well, Kyle, we appreciate you uh, taking a few minutes yeah. on. And, and once again, uh, check out the Beyond the Turf podcast we got on the screen for you. It's a great yeah. it's a great listen. Kyle, you guys drop one a week or one about every 10 days? Yeah, we, we drop them every other Tuesday. So we've got – it is actually our conference realignment episode this week. And then in two weeks, we did a great interview with Coach Erstad. Um, right now, we got, we've got a great episode with me and John Rutherford being edited of talking about the Rose Bowl and the going against the 01 Miami team. There's some great funny stories on that. So we're having a blast with it. Thanks for having us on. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks. You will, Kyle. All right, go Big Red. Thank you, Kyle. (laughs) Cole Morgan, former offensive lineman. You saw there the uh, pod. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I see Sip is in here now. He finally figured out the computer. He's going to join us right now, so we're good to go. I say that. I tease. I don't know. Steve Sip, are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me okay? We got you, buddy. We got you. All right. Uh, it's it's been a uh, it's been a busy time. Good to have you on board again. Good to talk to you again. Uh, yeah. You've been uh, so. Sean tells us all that uh, you made a few phone calls today. Let's go right to it. Let's find out what. Yeah, what do you say. got coming, Sip? On on three this tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, we talked to Barry Alvarez. Um, we talked to Barry Alvarez about Bill Bush and Bill Bush taking over Nebraska's defense. Um, Bill coached at Wisconsin a couple times, actually. He was a GA under Barry Alvarez um, kind of back in the day in the, in the early 90s. And then uh, Bill coached under Dave Aranda when Barry was the AD there um, in 2014. Which was, by the way, it was very, it was a very, I mean, Bill always talks about that, that year because it's, we don't remember it probably. A lot of people don't remember it, but 
but Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin will finish 11 and three, seven and one in the Big Ten, and played Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Lost 59 to nine. Um, but that was Wisconsin's defense was number one in the nation much of that year. And Bill coached safeties, dimes, nickels, and outside linebackers. Had 40 guys in his meeting room. Um, for the top-ranked defense in the country. So Bill has a lot of experience. He's been a defensive coordinator um, at Rutgers and Utah State, in, a, in addition just a lot of other experience. He's 56 years old. So um, Bill Bill is a good – I think he's a, he makes sense. But listen, guys, he inherited a colossal mess, and I don't know how he's got to manage it. But Barry said one good way to do it is – is, you know, Bill Bill does have a unique way of relating to players, and that was his, that's his strength. And Alvarez emphasizes the importance of that right now. Um, rallying those guys um, is, is really critical right now because a lot of guys' heads are spinning. And, Steve, you also talked to Kyle Whittingham, and I know that's going to come later in the week. Any any nuggets you can share on that conversation? No, because I haven't talked to him yet. Oh, um, that's that's coming tomorrow. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking to Kyle tomorrow. Now, Bill coached Whittingham was at Utah as a defensive coordinator um, when Bill was there. And uh, Bill learned a lot from Whittingham. Whittingham's a defensive coach. Now, he's a 62-year-old head coach now, but back then he was a defensive coordinator at Utah, and Bill was coaching safeties. So, I mean, Bill Bill's – been in a lot of different situations, uh, a lot of different places. I mean, um, so he's got a lot of experience. He won't, you know, he's not going to get rattled by anything. But come on, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to make this sound like it's a pleasant situation. He's walking into a mess, and and we'll see, we'll see what happens. Now, he 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 made sense. He was really the only choice that Mickey. I mean the only logical choice that Mickey could go to as a defensive coordinator to replace Janander because really Mike Dawson had some experience as a defensive coordinator, 2004, 2005 at New Hampshire in another life. Um, Bill, Bill had all the experience, but Bill does, Bill would make it pretty clear to you. I think that this is not normal going from special teams coordinator to defensive coordinator. Um, It's not a normal situation. Um, it's odd. Um, so we'll see how it works. Hey, hey guys, quick question for both of you. I, I didn't get a chance to ask at the top, and I'm just kind of curious. Did you guys know there on the ground that Chenander was in trouble, was on the cusp of being fired? It felt that way. Um, but, you know, they 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 went they went to the other game. I mean, maybe in his mind, Mickey Joseph already knew he was going to do it. Um, but it would have been too much in one week to lose your D coordinator and your head coach and put in a scheme to play Oklahoma. As we learned, it didn't really matter one way or the other. Right. Um, but they had a bye week now. So I think this made more sense um, because it is a pretty drastic change to, to go to a new coordinator on defense when he's the one, he hasn't been a defensive coach all season. And, and Sip, you might have something to add to that. Well, you go into Bill. I, well, yeah. here's the thing. No, I mean, the good news is – and there's not a lot of it, but there's some. Bill, as you guys know, worked with the special teams, so he's familiar with all the players. In fact, I need to add that to my column. Barry mentioned that, that as the special teams coach, you know, Bill directly touches 
a lot of those defensive players. So those relationships are critical. Uh, and that definitely helps. As far as Shenander goes, <laughs> I mean, those guys, those Frost originals, which I, which you call the, the staff that Frost hired, they knew, they knew they were in trouble. Um, and they, and Eric, I'm sure knew he was in trouble. And now, did he know for sure what was going to happen? I don't think he did when he woke up Sunday morning. And, you know, we, Sean, as we, we were calling people. And at noon, I wasn't sure at noon yesterday that any move was going to be made. But it wasn't made too much after noon, right? It was made about 1 o'clock. So, I don't know. It's hard to tell how it all went down. What do you think they can really fix? I mean, if, if, if okay. they're struggling tackling – just about to say. If they're if they're struggling rushing the passer, um, you know, if they're not really getting a push up front, how can you address those things? It doesn't seem like it's just a schematical issue right now. No, there's things that can change. Um, it, the, there are definitely things they can change, Sean. But here's the trick in the, the issue, and this is sort of odd. It's an it's a bit of an oddity. I think you guys would agree when a defense doesn't doesn't stop either the run or the pass. Usually even a bad defense is okay against one of those. Nebraska's really pretty bad against both the run and the pass. So obviously Bill and that staff really has its hands full. That's sort of an oddity. Usually it's not bad. It's not, you know, Nebraska's ranked super low nationally against both the run and the pass. That doesn't Usually doesn't happen that way. So, Sean, very limited. They're going to look at personnel. You know, I was hearing today. Um, I think you could get. A, I think you could see a different nickel. Um, um, her, her and Kane Williams might be working at nickel now. Um, in this in this kind of new staff configuration, you'll see some. I think you could see some personnel shuffling, but I don't know. I don't know Kane how many Williams at nickel and, and we haven't seen Kane Williams on the field once all year, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, I, I don't think so. Maybe as a, in a, as a, I mean, in a mop up duty, I think he got in there earlier in the season, but not much Sean. And that's a Mickey Joseph guy. I mean, Mickey Joseph was influential in him coming here. So that the move would make some sense because Mickey he's from home. He's from the hometown of Mickey Joseph. Yeah, that's just something I'm hearing. I just watch. I would just watch that. <clears throat> but Sean, I think they have to consider a lot. I, 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 I do. I mean, you're not gonna. I, there's just you're not gonna get the same result if you keep doing the same thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if they consider some guys that we would consider surprising. Before we let you go, how mm-hmm. concerned are you with the AJ Allen collarbone injury? Um, I mean, it feels like we may have seen the last of him at least this year. It's hard to say until we hear from Mickey on Tuesday, but that's a big blow for the offense. Well, isn't that interesting how A.J. Allen clearly is pressing Anthony Grant in practice? He has to be because they're using him in critical – they're using him in critical times, um, key moments of the game. And you see what I see, Sean. I mean, it doesn't look like there's a big – it didn't look like there was a big difference – between the two um so it's a bit that's a big injury now yeah i yeah we're here in collarbone and fortunately you know he, he did it and can and, and can have a redshirt season um 
but yeah, that that kid's a good play. He's a really good running back. That's one of the few bright spots for Nebraska. And Sip, what worries me is he put enough tape out over four games. You better believe his DMs on Twitter are starting to get a few messages. Yeah, and people don't. I know. I Sean, I made the mistake of tweeting that sentiment out during the game, and boy, people hammered me. Like, why would you? Why would you tweet this? And I, you know, I didn't respond. But my thought was, there's a certain reality. You know, there's a in this day and age in college football. Come on, Sean. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, the best programs in America can see can see that kid on their roster. I mean, he's it's that reality. Good. It's it's not yeah. fun. It's just reality. Right, and nobody wants to hear it. And sometimes I think some of the people that react negatively just don't quite understand. That's the world we're in, and it's happening. I mean, teams recruit off other teams' rosters, and yeah, that kid. Look, I mean, Nebraska's. There's a lot of it's tumultuous here. Some coaches, some coaches will try to seize on that, especially when you're talking about the very best players on the roster. Yeah, he's a, he he would be a four for four transfer with four very good games of tape already available to watch. Yeah, <laughs> we we if, yeah, I don't want to depress the fans. Sean. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, Sean, can you stop? Sean, stop. <laughs> well, I'll I'll get, everybody, I'll see you uh, tomorrow at the press conference, and we're gonna see our next guest, Andy Kendi. So. On your way out, say hello to Andy Kendi as you say goodbye here, Sip. Andy, we'll see you tomorrow, and uh, it'll be a very – hey, what time is that thing, Sean? 11.30. All right, see you guys there. See you there. All right, Sip. We'll see you then. God bless you all. Yeah, take care. Andy Kendi is here. There he is, yeah. We got Andy Kendi from uh, Channel 7, Jeff. Uh, You guys have not formally met Jeff, but uh, Jeff Cameron, meet Andy Kendi. Nice to meet you, Jeff, nice nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, sir. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Anytime, anytime. I, give it, I actually had to shower, so this is a good thing. It's a good step. <laughs> You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Andy, um, it's been a week, um, and that would be an understatement. I mean, you've been around now almost 15 years in this market, and you, you've you've followed things closely because your wife's a graduate from here as well. You know, you understand things. What, what has this last week been like, just from your perspective? Um, it's been sad uh, from an outsider point of view. Just sad to see how this thing just didn't work. Um, you know, I understand the disappointment from Husker fans. It's just, you know, if you would have told us five years ago that this was headed this way, I would have never believed you. You know, I was down in Orlando for Scott Frost, the championship game, the conference championship game. And there was such a feeling even down there of excitement. uh, You could just feel it like this was happening. and, and, And Scott Frost was ready to bring his brand of football from central Florida up to Nebraska. And for whatever reason, it just never worked. It just, it, it started off weird off kilter and it never gained its footing, whether it be losing your first six games or, you know, in that year two, when it really looked like you were ready to turn the corner, losing uh, a couple of close games. Um, and then these last two plus years has just been a head scratcher. Obviously the COVID year was a, a tough deal for everybody, but uh, last year I, I just, you just had a feeling this wasn't going to turn around and then you got some new life with all these transfers and new coaches. And you say, well, Hey, maybe this is going to be different. And then we go to Dublin, Ireland, and we see the exact same result that we've seen time and time again. So the one common denominator, 
was the head coach. And that's why I think we're here today. So I just think it's just, uh, you know, it's a pretty low uh, time there at the, at the program. And, um, but that being said, this is a huge hire for Trev Alberts and we'll see where it goes. Andy, was there a moment like we were in Ireland and at that game, we sat by each other in that outdoor press box and I could see it in your eyes. You kind of, felt this thing unraveling even in that Aviva stadium at that game with just some of the decision-making, how the game was managed. It just didn't have a very good feel in Dublin, Ireland that day. It, did, it didn't, Sean. And I remember, you know, first of all, that setup was unbelievable. That could be a whole other story. We do an hour on because that was unbelievable. The whole setup of the game in Dublin, Ireland. But I, I had issues with right before half and, and, and when he called timeout, basically daring, uh, Pat Fitzgerald to make his move. And, you know, Pat Fitzgerald says, you know what, fourth and one in my own 38, 39, we're going to go for it. And sure enough, they went for it and gave him extra time. The extra time allowed him to score a touchdown and take the lead. And um, I, I, I said, then I said, that's not how you, that's not how you, you, you coach to win football games. I understand the reason behind it because he wanted to be aggressive. And that showed even more clearly when he went with the outside kick in the second half, but man, I've seen time and time again that backfiring, uh, even the next week against North Dakota, um, right before half. I, I thought, you know, the extra timeouts gave North Dakota time to extend that drive. And it's just the little things like that. Was it the only reason? Of course not. Was the onside kick the only reason? No, of course not. But it was a, 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 if you start piling on the little things, they amount to a big pile of no-nos. And that's what I think got him fired. Yeah, it, it, I was just going to say, I, I had a chance, uh, Sean and Andy, I, I, I'm here in Florida, and he was the talk, Scott Frost was, of the college football world, obviously, after those two seasons at UCF. And I'll just say, from an outsider's perspective, everybody I know who covers college football and loves college football, no matter whom they root for, uh, every conversation we had was that that was a no-brainer hire. Scott Frost was going to be the guy to get this turned around. And Andy, you mentioned it. Starting slowly, having some bad breaks, losing some close games, then COVID, all that stuff happens. One thing we've seen, guys, for coaches that have been successful at new ventures, they have some success within their first two, two and a half years. And if they don't, and again, I keep bringing this point up, you can look around the country. There are very few guys who are these days given a third or fourth or fifth year to still get it turned around because of recruiting. It's very difficult now to if you don't have an initial rush of great players come in and you can infuse this roster and raise the floor, a lot of times you never get it back on track. It felt like getting off to that poor start and losing some really close games. It got desperate quick. It was literally like slippery footing because that first game, if they have that first game, who knows? I mean, who knows? We, we may, may not be here, but nobody knows what would happen if they played that game against Akron, if the weather holds up or whatever, instead, terrible weather, the game gets canceled. And then they bring in the Colorado uh, team next week. You know, Adrian gets hurt that game, and then and then it all starts going uh, sideways there from there. Even to the point where Jeff in that game against Northwestern, I go back in Evanston. They they had Northwestern pinned. The game was basically over and allowed Northwestern to drive the length of the field to tie the game 
including a two-point conversion, if I'm not mistaken, to send the game to overtime in which Northwestern won in overtime. It was it, 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 after that game, I remember asking Scott, uh, hey, do you guys, does your team need to learn how to win? And he said, absolutely, they need to learn how to win. And I don't think they ever did under Scott because they were at, never able to turn the corner. Now, moving forward, how, did the, how does this train get back on the tracks? That's that's the great question here with eight games remaining because you've got some quote-unquote, and I hate to say this phrase because it didn't work out well when Scott said it, but winnable games coming up, and um, we'll see what happens uh, in the immediate future with Indiana coming to town and then a roadie at, at Rutgers followed by a road trip at Purdue. Andy, uh, you've known Trev Alberts um, for a long time, both as his days at the University of Nebraska, Omaha, and now Nebraska. What type of job does he have ahead of him right now? Because, you know, Bill Moose, at least when he made the Scott Frost hire and, and the Hoybergs hired, I mean, he hit the home run. He got the guy both people wanted. And he even got Will Bolt. Um, and obviously, not they, they haven't worked out in, in their own ways. I mean, Bolt had his one good year, but last year they, they struggled. Um, but when you look at this hire, how hard is it going to be for Trev Alberts to get the home run hire? And should he not worry about that? Well, I think he's worried about it, obviously, but I, I do think it's not the the slam dunk no brainer. I mean, Sean, me and you and Jeff could have hired Scott Frost and put, you know, I mean, get him to Lincoln and and sell him on the fact of coming back home and and getting that hire done and the Fred Hoiberg thing, you know, tip of the cap to build it to make it happen. But those were pretty obvious choices in terms of who you're going to go after. Now, you know, I was reading the World Herald. Uh, this yesterday they had a list of 21 candidates and you could probably make a case for 21 you know i mean there are candidates out there now you've got to kind of shrink the field gauge the interest see who wants to come and and then see who fits your criteria because i do think that trev has a laundry list of checkpoints that you have to check boxes and and if you want to be a part of this program moving forward and, you know, I think he's going to have to get a guy, a high character in Nebraska, not, not necessarily a Nebraska uh, guy with ties to Nebraska, but a guy that Nebraskans can get behind. And I think that's important because all along you can say, yeah, the wins and losses are important, but it's how you win and how you lose. And, and if it doesn't look right in the losses, that's just not going to – cut it moving forward. So Trev's got a real difficult job moving forward in terms of who he's going to uh, hire. And this will, you know, he was asked at his news conference about, do you think about this defining your tenure? And he kind of shrugged it off and he didn't really give you an answer. Trev Alberts didn't because it was kind of a broad brush question, but truly this hire will define his tenure at the university of Nebraska. And the, the good thing though, guys is obviously they're the first of the party. They've got a real long runway and um, we'll see what happens. You got to have somebody who I think absolutely can tap into the cachet of Nebraska football and this fan base, which is amongst the best, if not the best in all of college football. I mean, you have, you've seen traditional programs, great powers throughout the history of college football that fall on their face that have not sustained that greatness. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, confluence of events lead to those programs having a tough time. And a guy comes in and it's the right guy and taps into that cachet, has a little success early, understands and appreciates that tradition, but doesn't solely fall back on it, has his own vision as well, marries the two, and all of a sudden you see it come back around quickly. I also think Sean brought it up earlier, guys. 
I mean, I, I know a lot of people are going to bring up Lance Leopold. Understandably, he's won at every level. And if you can win at Kansas, well, hell, you can win anywhere. Right. <laughs> so somebody right. who's shown you can win in places where it required a big build. And Nebraska, obviously, is, is, is uh, an elite place to coach college football. But it's still right now a big turnaround, a big build. Somebody who's got the juice that's done it before somewhere else without the tradition, I think is a very interesting candidate. But somebody who also can handle the fishbowl that is Nebraska and be a guy that Nebraskans can get behind. I mean, you don't have to be a carnival barker at Nebraska. You've got fans that showed up 385 straight games. And so you have that built-in fan base. But we're at a real critical point here in terms of where fans are going to spend their Saturdays. I mean, just look at the stands in the second half. I mean, Sean and I kind of elbowed each other, like, look at the empty pockets. We haven't seen that since the the, the end of the Mike Riley era. Uh, you know, the student section was a fourth full, three-fourths had left after halftime. And I got to say, my daughter's one of them. She left at halftime. She's like, Dad, I didn't want to stick around and waste half my Saturday doing that. I go, hey, no, I understand that. So – you got to get a guy who who is invested in the product, who Nebraskans can get behind, and who is in for the long haul, and will make your program proud. Like make Nebraskans proud that he is your head coach. And more often than not, there's been some missteps and whatever, whether it be performance on the field or or whatnot, where where guys were just uh, Nebraskans couldn't get behind the head coach. And I think um, moving forward, a couple wins would help. And putting a consistent product uh, of a team that doesn't make silly mistakes, I think that would really help. Andy, thanks for joining us tonight. It's a pleasure to get to meet you, sir. And I know you and Sean obviously know each other exceptionally well, but uh, great to talk to you. We'll do it again down the line and and have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Thanks, Sean. We'll talk to you. We'll see you tomorrow, Andy. Thank you. Yep, see you tomorrow. Thanks, brother. Andy Kendi, KETV, ABC Omaha, Sean's cohort there. And, Sean, I guess we'll wrap on this. We want to thank everybody out there who's watching the show, who's in the chat, participating as well. Just a reminder to all of you guys, if you haven't signed up, you should now. It's $10. It's for the whole year, Husker Online. They're going to document every day of this thing, this turnaround, this search for the right guy, all of it, everything that's happening with Nebraska football, and you can get it for just 10 bucks. I would do so now. These guys are the best in the business. Husker Online, Sean Callahan. Every Monday, we do this show together. Buddy, I'm going to make a prediction uh, that the next show we do together will not be after somebody else got fired. I, I, that's it. I, I'm two for two with these shows with you where somebody's getting fired. Hey, yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting, that's for sure. But yeah, no, no game this weekend. We have a bye weekend, so there you go. Um, I might go to Kansas City with my family or do something <laughs> to breathe. Go oh, get away, get away. <laughs> my wife, as you saw, my wife was in the swim lot parking lot with Kyle Cole Morgan, and I'm doing a show. So I, it's been a busy two weeks, but you know, we, we've never seen something like this, and hopefully they get it figured out. But they, we've got a lot of season left. That's what's crazy about this, Jeff. We have ten weeks, eight games. Mm, a lot to document along the way. So our thanks to Kyle Colmorgan, as you mentioned before, and Sip, as always, and Andy Kendi, and, and Sean, I thank you. And, and to all the people watching, again, thank you guys so much. Don't forget, $10, one year, Husker Online. You're going to want to do it part of the On3 Network. Until next week, uh, be well, everybody. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. The bye week. Go enjoy some things outside of Nebraska football, right, just for a moment. Kind of recalibrate and, uh, and and come on back in here. Sean, have a good night, buddy. Be well. And our thanks to Trey, who produced tonight. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Trey. Yeah, take care, guys.